This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to For the Shire, by the Shire. Each week, we speak to property and finance professionals working in and around the Sutherland Shire. Discover insider tips and tricks from the Shire's leading experts on how to get ahead in today's market. Introducing your host, Nathan Smith, the Director and Senior Mortgage Broker at the award-winning Birdie Wealth. Welcome to another episode of For the Shire by the Shire. I'm really excited today to be joined by Sonia Gibson, who is the Director of Accounting Heart Chartered Accountants. Um, she's been a chartered accountant for over 20 years uh, with experience in public accounting. Uh, the clients she's often working with are investors and micro small businesses, typically in the service-based industries. Now, her approach is a little bit different because she takes that heart-centered approach when advising clients so that they can align their head and their heart when they're making those big financial decisions. And the reason I'm most excited to catch up with Sonia today is she is the recent winner of the Women in Finance Award for Accountant of the Year across the whole of Australia. So, Sonia, massive wrap and uh, congratulations on your win this year. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, it was only uh, was it a couple of weeks ago now that we had the, um, the virtual ceremony. <laughs> uh, no, no glitz and glamour uh, compared to normal, but um, congratulations on your award. How did, um, how did that all come about? Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to be nominated by one of my clients for the award, um, and then I put together a submission and just happened to win it. So, um, yeah, it was a huge honour to have been recognised as a leader in the accounting industry. So this is done by one of your industry publications and it's an Australia-wide award. So uh, going into that, was there any expectation? Was it just a, a compliment to kind of be nominated? It was a huge compliment to be nominated. And when I went into the award, there's no expectation at all that I'd win it or even become a finalist in it. And I was, you know, hugely surprised when I became a finalist. And then to actually win it on the night was, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was um, a really great night, it, uh, although different to most award ceremonies. <laughs> I was sitting at home on the couch um, while the kids were having dinner, watching it on my uh, phone, and um, and saw your name pop up. So congratulations! That was it was a really cool, um, really cool night. That one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we had a fun night celebrating just in the office. Yeah, very different way to do it, but it um, is. but um, yeah, a big wrap nonetheless. Um, now let's go all the way back. Let's go back to um, when you first decided to become an accountant. What drew you to that industry? Yeah, so I loved economics and maths at high school. So I think it was just sort of like a natural progression to become an accountant. That was something that I would, yeah, where, where I could use both of those skills. And um, yeah, so far so good. I've really enjoyed being an accountant. Although I guess in the early years it was a little bit a bit strange and debits and credits and it's not, you know, um, the easiest stuff to get your head around. But um, certainly as my career's progressed and I've got, you know, the client contact um, that you obviously don't have in those earlier days, um, I love what I do. So when you first became an accountant, where did you where did you start? Yeah, so when I first became an accountant, we were just coming out of the recession that we had to have in the early 90s. So there are absolutely no jobs available. Um, so it took a little while to find my first job. And my first job was actually at CSIRO as a training accountant. And um, that was a, a temporary role. And then from there, I was lucky enough to pick up a chartered role out at Parks in New South Wales, Central West New South Wales. So at that time, it was get a job. Okay, and, um, so that, moving out of Sydney to, to find work. Yeah, so I was just out of Canberra. Right, okay, I did yeah. my degree in Canberra. Yeah, yeah. So, 
at, I had to move away from Canberra. Um, it was a big change going back to a small country town and, yeah, just starting all over again. So mm. out at parks working there, keep taking us forward. Where do we where do we head to next? So then it was back to Canberra, um, stayed down there for a few years, met my husband and moved to Sydney. So then I had a, a brief break out of the public accounting field and went into commerce for a few years, but I really missed the client contact and it, that drew me back. I, I wanted to have that client contact again to actually feel like I was doing something with meaning and purpose and helping people is what's some, something that I feel really passionate about. Now, Accounting Heart, uh, when did the business open? Okay, so Accounting Heart started in 2016, mid-2016, so it's only been four years. Um, I started the business because I felt that there was a real need for a more heart-centred approach when it comes to dealing with numbers and finance. And I think a lot of accountants um, sit in that head in, within their head. Um, it's all very technical and very numbers-focused and that kind of thing. And I think uh, a lot of accountants and forget that they're actually dealing with people and people's emotions. And I think as soon as you are talking about money, it becomes very emotional. And I think there needs to be a recognition of what what's involved in that with people. Um, and also when you're dealing with things like tax, um, I've dealt a lot with people over the years that have had, may suffer from depression or cancer or um, there's been some kind of life event, um, a death of a loved one, some kind of life event and they've gotten behind um, in their taxes and that kind of thing. And having a heart-centred approach when you're dealing with people in those sorts of situations to be able to deal with them sensitively and also deal with the tax office on the other side is really important. Great answers. I mean, nothing's black and white, is it? It's um, Sometimes we look at the numbers and, and think there's black and white, but there's a whole backstory of why they make a certain decision and it could be a big life event. It could be how they were raised or what they've seen growing up is, is could play a factor into what that decision and outcome is. So Absolutely. And I talk a lot about um, in my business about taking a values-based approach and it really is coming back to those life experiences and what it is that people value. So um, there's a great book called Strategy and the Fat Smoker. And, you know, there, there are great motherhood statements saying you shouldn't smoke and it's bad to be overweight. And it's taken as being universally acknowledged that that's the way that it should be. But given that, it doesn't mean to say that people aren't going to smoke and aren't going to be overweight. So um, why is that? And it's because people don't value anything else. Like they, they enjoy eating and they enjoy smoking. That's what they value. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really good. So how do you have these conversations? When you have the data, you have the numbers in front of them, how mm. do we take them back and present that information and align that with their values? Yeah, so, for example, I had a lovely lady come and see me one day um, to do her tax return. She had just bought a property. She'd been living in a property in the same building and she decided that she wanted to move to the other side of the building which had harbour views and it was a smaller property. So um, came in to do just the basic tax return and she said, look, Sonia, she said, you know, I really don't want to hold on to the property that I've just moved out of but everyone's telling me I'm crazy if I um, sell it. And she said, but I'm just not feeling it but I'm feeling all this pressure to actually retain the property. So we had a conversation around her values and she wanted simplicity in her life and, you know, um, it wasn't as if she wasn't going to do something else with the money. She was going to then invest the money if she took the money out of the property market. So I think it's about finding what aligns with you and what makes you feel right. And she said, look, after that conversation, I just feel like a huge weight's been lifted off my shoulders um, and I can actually go ahead and make that decision with confidence. And I think 
that's what it is to align head and heart. It's about being able to step away and to actually say, you know what, I know why I'm making that um, decision and moving forward from there. We find the same thing in broking industry. You, you often get that right. You get you get uh, a decision that might not be perfect on paper, but will fit with them from a lifestyle perspective. Mm-hmm. And you see so often if someone goes against that natural lifestyle that they're aiming for, mm-hmm. um, you see the friction and, and down the track it ends up falling apart anyway because it isn't falling in line with whatever their lifestyle values are, whether it's that um, simplicity lifestyle, mm. the simple lifestyle. Family, um, family is a big one. Definitely. Um, and financial security is another big one. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that need to be taken into consideration. And everyone has that different appetite for risk. Some yep. are happy to take larger risks. Some are very risk cautious and that's fine. That's their mm. decision and, and you need to align your, your strategy around so that it's part. Just a, it's about bringing awareness about those things to the conversation and, and, and being able to make sound decisions. Now, we hear a lot in the media about um, – Tax and and particularly at the moment, I'm sure you've uh, you've had some long and late nights with with job keepers, job seekers, and every mm-hmm. other type that's coming through at the moment. What do you say to people as they're reading through all these articles and trying to decipher headlines as they're pouring through? What's a bit of advice you've got for people out there at the moment? To have a relationship with an accountant is really important. If you've got if you're in business or if you're looking at making um, a large financial decision, it's I think it's really important to have advisors. Uh, in your life because they can make the world of difference when it comes to a transaction. And I think there's, a, there's um, particularly at the moment, there may be a little bit of hesitancy to engage with an advisor because there is going to be a fee attached with that, but an advisor will save you money in the long run. And at the moment, there's so much information. Um, there's a lot of headlines I'm finding, mm. uh, particularly with all these, with schemes and with grants coming out. There's a lot of headlines, but mm. the, the devil's in the detail and seeing, does it apply to you? Am I eligible for mm. it? So Very much so. And I think people can get sidetracked about uh, having com- conversations with friends um, and what their friend's situation is may not be exactly aligned with what their situation is. So there can be a lot of misinformation out there as well. So I think um, you really need to do your own research and engage your own professional advisors um, to help you with this stuff. All right. So read the articles, take the information to a professional mm. and, and then have them uh, interpret get them it for to you. decipher it for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Let's talk property a little mm. bit. So um, this show is obviously based around Sutherland Shire and properties in the area. Um, when are people coming to you to talk about property? Are they coming to you? before, after, during, uh, and perhaps when should they be coming yeah. to speak to an accountant? That's a really important question to ask because I've had all of those situations. I've had people come well before, um, in the middle of and about to settle, and then, you know, a couple of months later when I'm actually going to sit down and do the tax return. So my advice is to get to your accountant as soon as you're thinking about buying a property so that you can understand the financial impacts that's going to have and the tax consequences for you. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of years ago, I had um, a couple that decided they were going to buy another family home. They were over 65 and they purchased a property for several million dollars and they used all of their super fund money to pay for the deposit on the property and then found out that when um, they sold their own home, they couldn't then put money back into the super fund uh, and to top that up. So if they had come to me a couple of months prior to making that decision, we could have um, advise them to get a deposit bond and they still would have had their money sitting in their self-managed super fund in a tax-effective environment. So I think that was a real um, eye-opener to how important it is to actually get advice before you do anything with property. 
And I mean, we talk about this all the time about building that property team around mm. you, and and there are some people that that are understandably involved in the transaction. You have a real estate agent, you have a broker, you have a conveyancer, mm. uh, but there are these other players you need in that property team, being accountants mm. and financial planners to um, and buyers agents to work with. And so you're saying even if you're buying an owner-occupied home, it's always worth just picking up the phone and saying, hey, I'm buying this, anything I need to know prior to starting that search? Yeah, owner-occupier is probably not so important to have that conversation. In that situation, it was because it involved a superannuation fund. Okay, so, uh, so super, involved in, involved yep. another investment and and um, with buying that to pay for the um, deposit on the property. So I think if you're going to enter into something that's not a straightforward transaction, as in from savings, um, then I think you certainly do need to get get advice on that. People are coming to you saying, "I've been told I need to buy an investment property to negative gear to reduce tax." Mm-hmm. Um, we, we hear this line all the time. It, is that the right decision for everyone? Is it specific to their situations? What sh- what kind of conversations are you having when, when mm. people are starting with that? Yeah, why? I think it comes back down to that values discussion about why you'd want to do that. Um, I had a conversation only this week about positively gearing a property because you never, ever or very rarely hear about somebody wanting to positively gear a property. And, you know, our, our conversation went along the lines of well, why is that a bad thing when you're actually earning money. Yes, there is tax to pay on that, but if you're earning money, isn't that a good thing? So if you're earning a dollar and you're still pay, you're paying 30 cents in tax, you still get to keep 70 cents. So overall, it's growing your wealth. So I don't think that a positively geared property is a bad thing. And then on the negative gearing side, I think it can be a great way to, to grow wealth as well. You've got something, an asset hopefully that's appreciating in value and that when you go to sell, um, you'll make a nice capital gain on that and you'll actually come out on top. So it comes back to the advice I think before is, is get in front of an accountant, mm. work out which structure is best for you. Mm. And um, I like what you said at the start there about knowing the purpose of the property. What What is it you're actually trying to achieve with this property? Because mm. um, we hear uh, clients often may come in and say, well, I just – I think I should buy a property. I don't know why or I've got some cash lying around so I'm just going to buy a property. But being very clear on the purpose of the property I think will help with the asset selection, how it's geared, how we structure it. Um, where? Yeah, where to buy, what to buy, mm-hmm. uh, how long we're going to hold it. Mm-hmm. All, all is dependent on the, the actual purpose of that property. Exactly. And I think um, you know, if you're uncertain about what to do with your money, if you're thinking of oh, property – and what have you, I think that's the time to have a chat with a financial planner and they'll be able to talk you through that. I want to talk about trust because I hear this come up often mm. with property that for some reason buying through trust is the best way to buy an investment property or um, it protects you somehow. Can mm. you explain perhaps some of the benefits of doing it but maybe some of the myths around the trust structure with properties? Mm. So in terms of asset protection, you only have access – asset protection in a trust if it's got a um, company as a trustee of the trust and then it's got the same protection as a, um, a company. So I'd always have a corporate trustee in a trust if I was looking at doing something like that for asset protection purposes. Um, so that's the first point. The second point is when you're buying property in a trust, you don't get the um, tax-free threshold on land tax. So you're paying land tax in a trust from dollar one. So you would be purchasing property in a trust purely from an asset protection point of view, I guess. 
and you look at you paying that land tax as being like insurance. So again, it um, is it something everyone should be doing, or is it more a case by case depending on what the case situation by, is? Case by case, depending on what the situation is, because you don't want to go and create a complex structure that's going to cost you money to maintain. Um, it's sometimes easier just to have it in individual names if there's um, very little risk of either of those individuals being um, sued or um, declared bankrupt or that kind of thing. So that, that's more um, for people that are business owners, I guess, that, we're, that would be in those high-risk categories. Um, so I guess it, it comes, comes down to, again, purpose and your overall financial situation. Property and tax, is there any bad advice you're hearing out there around the barbecue or just um – you know, somebody on their keyboard typing away, giving advice to people. What's some bad advice you hear around property and tax? I think it goes back to that question that we were talking about before, that everyone should have a rental property. <laughs> so it's not for everyone. It's not there's, for everyone. There's other ways to to use your money and build mm. wealth. It's not just through property. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and I think we've spent a bit of time with the financial uh, planners talking about this topic as well, mm. that the asset's just a vehicle regardless of what it is. The asset's just a vehicle to to help accumulate wealth and for some people that might be property but for others um, it could be shares. Yeah. Um, Manage funds. Like, yeah. There's plenty of ways to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Sonia, I'm going to give you the keys to accounting. Uh, Australia-wide you can change anything you would like and I'm sure you've got a, a list of things that you'd want to change. What's some of the first things that you would be changing? Yeah, well, having just won the Women in Finance Accountant of the Year Award, I think the first thing I'd love to change is to see more women taking up leadership roles so that we can start seeing that heart-centred approach coming through in our organisations. I think um, our clients would benefit from having a more heart-centred approach and I think our teams would benefit from that as well. And I think um, being able to offer um, flexibility for women in the workforce and inclusion of um, highly qualified women that have got young families and to be able to give them those senior roles and to get them... Um, being productive in the workforce again would be a huge bonus to the industry. Because there's a wealth of experience sitting out there and um, mm-hmm. finding a role that then fits in with their their other role of um, running the kids around and trying to manage a, a family um, can be really difficult to find those high-end roles. Is that, Absolutely. Is that and, I, and I think, um, you know, giving them the opportunity to still participate in school and sport and all those things that they want to do as a mum um, but also to be able to use their skills for something meaningful, I think is really important. Who knows, maybe this uh, corona change may see the, I mean, we've definitely seen a move towards remote work, so I think there's mm. definitely, um, could be a, a change or a wave on the way with some of that that real flexi hours instead of the, the flexi hours where they give you half an hour off on a Friday afternoon, the, mm. the, the true flexi hours where you can work your own hours and fit in around your exactly. lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. Now, living in the Shire, um, you've bought property before. I want to hear your experience. Um, I mean, numbers are your thing, you know numbers, mm. but how did you find it when you were in that buyer's chair and having to, to purchase a property? Very stressful, um, and particularly the first time because you just don't know um, what the process is and also just um, – working out the financing aspect of it. And at, at the time, I didn't realise that the funds wouldn't be released and you pay your deposit and having kind of the money there and all worked out and what have you. But then when it comes to settlement and paying um, stamp duty and what have you, that you don't get stamp duty money back, you've got to pay that up front <laughs> and, and working out 
you know, what you need on your loan and what have you. And I think had I known about, again, deposit bonds, um, you know, even though there is a cost to those, that would have been really helpful in that situation. We'll have eased the, um, the cash flow aspects of buying that first property because I think on settlement day, you sort of like scrambling and trying to pull money from everywhere to, um, to get into your first property. And I think that's something that's, you know, a lot of people struggle with and it's certainly something I struggled with. Yeah, look, I think... It made it there in the end. Yeah, it always seems to be the way. It always seems to be the way. A, a distant memory of um, of what has happened. But, yeah, at the time, you know, even when I bought property as well, I just remember how stressful it is. You're just so emotionally invested in the process. There's so many moving parts, deadlines that must be hit. So um, it can really be stressful getting through that one. You're now the uh, accountant of the year Australia-wide. Massive, uh, massive bar you've set there. What is next for Accounting Heart? Um, I'd like to see Accounting Heart continue to grow. I would like to have more of a voice within our industry. I'm hoping that the um, award has now provided me a platform to to speak from um, and share my experience with others and to encourage more women um, in professional services to get out there and to create their own ideal roles. Perfect. That's great. Final question for you before we uh, wrap up. What's that one bit of advice you've got for everyone, whether it's something that you're hearing regularly or or something that's a real key takeaway for people today? I think after what we've spoken about today, that the key question is why. Yeah. Um, always, you know, ask why and keep going down the layers of why and ask why about three or four times until, you know, there's no more whys to give um, because I think you by asking why you're getting um, to the point of, um, aligning your head and heart and getting to the bottom of what your values are and what's actually important to you. That's brilliant. And, I mean, that's great advice whether you're talking about accounting advice and tax advice or property. It's, um, it's certainly something you should be asking mm-hmm. uh, throughout both processes. Absolutely. Look, some really key takeaways there. It's great to hear your story and um, and why you started your business and where it's going and also some really interesting tips around property and tax and, and breaking some of those myths there at the moment. Um Sonia, where can people find you? So they can find us on our website, accountingheart.com.au, and we're also on Facebook. Excellent. Fantastic. I'll uh, link all those details below, but thank you for coming in today. I really appreciate your time. Great. Thanks, Nathan. Been all good chatting. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.